Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we pick a side, witness the meeting of two supermen, update you on all of the TV news, and more. Should be louder. I'll fix that in post, he lies. Do you ever fix things in post? Ooh, now you're coming in really loud. Uh, I mean, I do do some light editing on the show. Some, some light editing? Yeah, I I mean, I have to I make the intro part sound all old-timey. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I should probably listen to the show more. Come on. <laughs> uh, just uh, kidding. You jerk. I know you're not, which is the worst part. Why would you show me Magikarp... In a speedo. Welcome <laughs> to the show, everybody. I'm David. Over there is Nick. Is that the episode title? Why would you show me Magic Carp in a speedo? No. For the love of God, no. Uh, <laughs> hey, everyone. How's it going? Can we? I think we. I think we got to restart. We have already. We're all over the place right now. Okay. I'm just kidding. We're now. We're just gonna barrel forward. Why Are we? Now I feel like it's awkward and we should restart so they never have to hear this. No, it's too late. They're hearing it. They're listening to it right now. It's not a live show. Like, Nick, one day your, like, you will be dead and your children will be listening to these archives to try to remember what their dad was like. They'll get to this episode and they'll be like, oh, yeah, he was an idiot. And then well, I plan on sacrificing my children so that I can live forever. I read about it on the Internet. And you can always trust everything you hear on the internet, which is where you're getting this podcast. So trust everything that we say. Mm-hmm. Oh. But not everything we do. You know, Wait, they what? say actions maketh the person. Isn't it actions speak louder than words? Ah, oh, that one. Wait, really? You couldn't remember that phrase? You know what, David? Shut up. And yes, I couldn't remember it. I was also thinking of Kingsman when... Uh, Colin Firth says something like, something maketh the man. Clothes like, maketh the manners? man. Was it manners like, maketh man. Yeah, something like that. Is it though? Ugh, man. Now I have to Google things on the show. You know what? You, you introduce people to the show. I'll Google it. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. We are now about three minutes into this. So thank you for sticking around. Uh, I'm David. That's Nick. Where we This week, we will spend a lot of time talking about Civil War. But we have other stuff to talk about, like all of the uh, big TV news that has kind of come out in the last week or so. Oh, we also do know that we missed a show last week, and we apologize. It was Nick's fault. Was it my fault? Yeah, you had people. Oh, yes, we had people visiting from New Zealand. I don't think that's the that's accent, stop. though. Nope. Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, we had a, uh, Anna had friends from her... Uh, when she spent a semester abroad in uh, New Zealand, um, two of the people that she met there were have been apparently spending the last several months traveling the world. They spent five years saving, which now makes me feel like I wasted the last five years. Well, no argument from me. Um, and anyway, they were staying at our place and couldn't find the time to record with this schmuck. 
And it's manners make it the man. How dare you? So... Uh, so before we kind of launch into stuff here, I do have an exciting announcement to make. You're pregnant. No, I just I just got a tattoo. I can't stretch that out. It would look horrible. Uh, no, I will be a. Uh, I guess I'm not really sure. There's three of us, so I will be a co-host on a new podcast that will be coming out over the summer, and I will of course be updating people here as that progresses but it is called the geek cinema society in which myself and my two other hosts uh brett and nicole will be taking a look at all of the you know the 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 must-see geek movies and we will have a guest on every week and our guest uh will have not seen the movie before so it'll be their first time seeing it and it's going to be a fun time we're going to be you know looking at these movies and they're historical geeky value and also uh you know you know what makes them so great and getting to explore a person's first reaction to it uh it's going to be a great time coming from blazing caribou studios and uh stay tuned for more information on that as it becomes available sounds great david thanks for um abandoning me I'm not I had this whole you. speech planned about how upset I was, this, but then I realized I wasn't upset. This and show you're not abandoning me. Yeah, this show will continue on forever. Nick, you signed a contract. Uh, good in, thing I'm living forever in on blood. the blood of my um, of my future children. But cool. Well, that sounds exciting. I'm super happy for you. Not jelly. I don't get jelly. I get even. Um, that makes no sense. And you make no sense. And listen, folks, there's these things called comic books. People talk about them. Uh, We are two of those types of people that like to talk about them. And David, take it away. All right. Well, before we dive into Civil War, which will likely be a lengthy discussion because we have opinions, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about some books. And uh, two, two series that I read ended this week. One of them uh, is a an image book, goes by the name of Jupiter's Legacy, written by Mark Millar. It is the prequel to, or no, it's Jupiter's Circle that ended up this week. Uh, it is the prequel to Jupiter's Legacy, which has been on hiatus as Frank quietly draws the next few issues. Uh, so, which means it's been running for over a year now, because Frank quietly takes about that long to draw the four First or five issue. issues. Yeah, the first issue, pretty much. No, they they, they they plan this out, so it's like, look, you do nothing but draw this, and we'll get back to it when you're done. A year later, here we are. Um, so it is from Mark Millar. Uh, Wilfredo Torres. Yes, I, wanna, I forgot to pull the issue out before I talked about it. Mm, the sound of things being pulled from bags. Yes. Yeah, Wilfredo Torres. Uh, and it is the conclusion of the story, and I mean, really, what it is is it's kind of the the cleanup of the story. You know, we we know where these characters are by the time that Jupiter's uh, Jupiter's legacy starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, really, it's just kind of moving all of that stuff into place. Uh, this is a series that I need to go back and reread uh, because 
I don't fully remember all of the characters' names, or I really felt like at times, like the weight of this story. I have a hard time with prequels. I've talked about this a bunch. I talked about this when I talked about Poe Dameron on the show. Um, I have a hard time with prequels because we already know the fate of any of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really hard for me to get like invested. Uh, and if you introduce a new character, it's like, well, he's probably going to die or he's going to get written off and, and go off to go do something else. So not to say that you can't tell a good prequel story. I just don't know too many that really like, I'm like, I don't, I don't get excited if you're like, Hey, the next movie it's gonna be a prequel. <laughs> no, not what I want. I think, I think it can be tough. I think with um, something like Jupiter's, whatever, um, <laughs> you know, because like the present day, the quote unquote main story isn't complete yet. Like if you are reading prequel comics, it it does by and large, you know, fall into the prequel trap. But it does flesh out characters, and if a character does show up, it's not written in stone that they aren't going to show up again in some capacity mm-hmm. in the present and, day. And I think there are uh, two characters in this who I think have potential to show up, uh, which will be interesting. And they're probably the, the most compelling characters I would say of the story. A lot of this issue kind of deals with uh, Sheldon who I can't remember his superhero name. Um, Bazinga. Bazinga. No, uh, it's, Bazinga. it's like the main guy. Like, I want to call him the utopian no, oh, he's, he's the, the main, utopian. Like, yeah, yeah, the main like here. So yeah, it deals like a lot of like the utopian and like how he's so perfect and how that's really hard for like his wife for a while. Uh, so they get a divorce because he's too perfect, and then uh, like he goes and marries the woman that he eventually has kids with, and those kids are at the center of the plot of uh, Jupiter's legacy. So it's kind of weird. And does his second wife have superpowers? Have superpowers? Yes, his first oh. wife did not. Oh, really? Um, which I totally did not catch that he was m- not married to her yet. I really probably should reread this. Year. There's probably people out there who are like, David, you're a dumbass. Uh, all of this was so obvious. Um, there is like a, a brief moment. There's the teen scene, which is all of the young people with superpowers. And it, they're only shown in one panel. And this is the line. So all we have to do is advertise their brands and they're going to give us money for it. Kind of setting up, you know, how things, how things spiral up, out of up. control. Uh, so that was kind of a, a, a cheeky little line. But like I said, a lot of this issue felt like, okay, we're going to move everything into place for the next move. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that, you know, some of that move you already know. Some of it, like, we might not, which would be really interesting, and but probably have me have a, a, a fonder look back at the book. Uh, all now, time. where... Um... Where does this miniseries leave off? Like, what decade are they in? Um, does it say... Yeah, the Utopian and Lady Liberty is who gets married. So it looks like it's still, like, maybe 70s or 80s. Like, the the kids are... Uh, when it ends, like, the, the two kids who are kind of at the center of the book are young, like, under... 10 probably around like five or six mm-hmm. um so probably Wait, the kids like like chloe and brandon yeah i mean they're, so just... they're they're like in their maybe early 20s in the first book so they're probably like i felt like they were in... 80s i felt like they were, were in their born. 30s 
Like mid, well, I mean, I mid to late twenties. So. Maybe maybe by the time like the second half of that volume started, because I think a couple years had gone by, or just a year. Anyway, uh, so it it's at some point in history. Um, that being said, it's it's fine. It's again, it is a Millar story where the ending doesn't quite stick. Mm-hmm. Or he feels like everything has to be in a neat little bow and have, or be in the neat little package and have a bow on it and a neat little bow with a nice little package on top. Um, Wilfredo Torres's art though is great. Probably been one of the highlights of this book for sure. Uh, so it was I. It was I. Yeah. And uh, just real quick before uh, we, you know, you you tell us about some Supermen. Uh, I do want to talk about another series that ended this week, which is Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, number six. And this has been a really fun miniseries. Uh, unfortunately, this last issue, kind of like how I was saying, like everything moving into place, like you knew how this story was going to end from the beginning. And how did it end exactly? Because uh, I haven't been following along. They stop Shredder and, and Ra's al Ghul. And the turtles go back to their timeline with, all, you know, with Shredder and all of the uh, Foot Clan. Uh, this last issue had some like cool action moments. Um, as far as like story goes, though, it's all it, it's all stuff that I like called from the beginning. So picking this up right now is like kind of disappointing. You mm-hmm. know, th- things in, things ended on a well enough note. Um, but there wasn't like a lot of there wasn't really any surprises, mm-hmm. so I think reading this all as one go because because I thought there were some really great uh, actually really good like emotional beats like character beats in earlier issues and the art's been really good and it's been like a really fun book like this I, I've read a couple of reviews like this book is better than has it has any right to be, uh, which I would agree with, and it's nice to kind of gotten a, a taste of James Tinian's Batman before he you know, really kind of dives in on that character. Um, and overall it's, it's an, it's an okay ending. It's again, it's what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if, you know, you get a chance to read this all as a trade, it's going to feel good. It's going to be nice. It's going to be exactly what you want out of the story. Very like self-contained uh, and, and well-contained. So that's just, you know, quick thoughts. Disappointing as an individual issue, but it's, like, it wasn't bad. It just mm-hmm. didn't... It was pat. It was yeah. a pat ending. Yeah. Pat, pat. But those are just my quick thoughts on that. Now, Nick, why don't you tell us about some stuff that you read? So, all I really read this week was... Uh, Action Comics number 52, uh, Batman number 52. And then I uh, reread the Batman and Robin, uh, Robin Rises arc where Damien has superpowers because it's just like the best. Um, it was real good. And I mean, I, I know some cool books came out I just haven't gotten to yet. Like uh, I'm looking forward to Black Panther. Uh, I think Black Widow actually came out the previous week and obviously we weren't here last week. Um, so I, I got to play catch up. But uh, it's based on what I have read, uh, Action Comics is getting us closer to the end of the final days of Superman storyline. For those that are not aware, 
um, the new 52 version of Superman um, is dying. Uh, he basically experienced a perfect cocktail of doom between a few different events. Like when he lost his powers, I guess he used some weird kryptonite thing to get them back. He also fought the god Rao. And then there's a third thing that I'm for. Oh, uh, when he got like uh, apocalyptized on the planet Apocalypse during the Dark uh, Dark Side uh, War storyline. I can't wait to read that when it's all collected. Like done. Yeah. Um, I mean, from what I have read of it so far, so good. Yeah, I've heard good things. Um, so I mean, like he's dying. Uh, he's not really putting a lot of effort into saving himself. Just more um, kind of cleaning house, keep getting all his affairs in order. Um, and while he's trying to do that, uh, someone has been harvesting Super Flare. So Superman has this power that Jeff Johns introduced where he basically blasts you with this solar flare thing, Super Flare. And, but the, the consequence of that is that he loses his – it basically like expunges all the solar – like energy from his cells. So he's left powerless for about 24 hours as his cells recharge. Hmm. Um, so apparently he's used this a few times since Jeff Johns introduced this. And apparently a scientist in China named Dr. Omen, I think it was Dr. Omen, uh, has been harvesting it, so to speak. I'm not exactly sure how you harvest it, but she has been. And so random, I don't know about random, some, some calculated, uh, at least one guy is running around who's like, like a dick. Like, uh, I don't know if he's like a, of a criminal sort or he's just already unbalanced to begin with, but he's like selfish, like the, the opposite of what Clark Kent is, you know, slash Superman. But like suddenly he'll get charged up and he like thinks he's Clark Kent slash Superman. Um, like, like interacts with Superman supporting cast. Like he knows them, but he's clearly unhinged and doesn't understand why no one accepts him as the, as the authentic Superman. Um, and then, of course, again, this all leads back to Doctor Omen. Uh, in one of the uh, in the uh, Batman sermon issue before the, that uh, chapter before this one, they actually fought the Great Ten for most of an issue. Uh, it's always great seeing the the Great Ten pop up. Um, but anyway, so this guy has been causing some headaches for him. Um, they've kind of rekindled the Superman Wonder Woman romance, hmm. which is interesting. That as he's on his way out, they've kind of like. They're, like, sending them out together. Well, not together, but, like, they're together as they send him out. Um, it probably, I mean, kind of, it kind of makes sense because they haven't really built up the Lois Lane romance with him. So, like, if we're going to have this have emotional impact, it's got to be with Wonder Woman. Yeah, you know? exactly. This, you know, this is, this Superman, New 52, when, you, I guess when, because we know, like, going forward, um, whether or not this Clark, like, whether this Superman dies or he just loses his powers completely because there's uh, hints towards a Clark Kent that's running around in the rebirth era. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think with this, the Superman now in comparison to the upcoming Superman, who's the pre 52 Superman, that's like married to Lois Lane has a kid and all that, you know, this, this has been a departure uh, it's for, for Superman in a lot of ways. So I think kind of highlighting what made this Superman different uh, as they send him out, I think is a very interesting way to approach it. Um, so, I mean, overall the story, it's been interesting. It really is sort of like a, a, a an epilogue and a prologue kind of narrative. Um, you know, they touched on like the Supergirl in this universe and relationship with Wonder Woman and where he stands with Batman and, 
and um, um, uh, and all that. Oh, oh, the the big the big crux of this issue, though, um, though it, it's they don't like meet meet, but they dis- but uh, this Clark New Fifty Two Clark discovers pre Fifty Two Clark, um, the the imposter Superman basically um, seeks out the uh, pre pre Fifty Two Superman, and they get into a tussle. Uh, and Superman, Wonder Woman, Bat, uh, Batman uh, stumble upon them, so to speak, and it's kind of it's more or less where the issue ends. So uh, I'll be curious where it goes. I mean, the story is not like lighting my life on fire. It is being written by Peter Tomasi, and he's clearly juggling a lot right now as he's prepping for um, rebirth. Um, so I think really, like I said, it's it's probably not his best foot forward. That would probably be Robin Rises, um, but. Um, I mean, he clearly has an affinity for the characters. He writes a, you know, if if someone's going to write a, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a standard script. You know what I mean? Not like phoning it in, but not necessarily like putting a lot of, I don't want to say that he's not putting a lot of creative effort into it, but it clearly just feels like he's trying to get from A to B. Like he's doing a decent job doing that. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what like a good phrase would be for that. Yeah, I don't want to sound like insulting to the creator because I'm sure he puts a lot of energy and time into it. But um, as a story, it's a cleaning house story. So it feels like it's just setting up a lot of stuff that's coming down the pike. But for what it is, it's enjoyable. Um, And that's basically it. I also read Batman, which wasn't by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Mm -hmm. It was, I think you read it too, right? I did, yes. Yeah, you know, it was... uh, it was like I, I was actually surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did. It really was just like a filler send off issue. Yeah, yeah, it you was know? it was kind of hard because we had that really emotional issue fifty one, um, and then like this comes out and it's fine, but it like it wasn't like like fifty one felt like more of the send off into rebirth that we should have gotten mm-hmm. than this and like it like you know it's okay it's uh, James Tinney in the fourth again and and Riley Rosmo. Um, whose artwork I really like. He's, I feel like he's really been developing it. Um, pretty good. The last page isn't great. Forget what the last page looks like. Uh, it's it's Batman swinging through the city. The body is weird, and the yeah. cape is odd, like bigger it, than it should be. There, there. It's weird because they, they, uh, fifty-one. You know, as much as it, it was as much a send-off for Snyder and Capullo. As much as this is a send off for the this this particular volume as a whole, it, they really kind of almost were touching on the same things just through different perspective through different lenses. This um, one was more about like his family, like re- it got like really personal for Bruce Wayne versus. Yeah, Batman. I mean, it was it was it was. I think it was it's a book about coping and how he how he learned to cope. You know, it was very after school, especially. Um, but I mean, I don't know. It was something about it. Like I, I didn't think for what it was, it, it wasn't poorly written. So, um, yeah, that's, that's basically it for comics this week. Yeah. And like I said, I read some other stuff. I don't feel like there's much that's worth digging into. Um, I really enjoyed Archie this week. I really enjoyed Power Rangers, uh, this week. And I, I'm liking how that story's going. I thought that actually had some really good, uh, really good, relationship moments uh, and, and digging into kind of some character pasts and advancing the story. But 
I don't think there was enough going on to comment on yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a future episode. In the future. So yep. do we do we want to dive in now into the big discussion? Let's dive into Civil War. All right. We will now talk about Captain America Civil War. The the film that has already grossed over $700 million uh, internationally. It is a hit. It's got like a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it is a, a juggernaut of force that Marvel has unleashed upon all of us. It is Iron Man versus Captain America uh, and for the rest. all the marbles. For some of the marbles. <laughs> for some of the marbles. Uh, ooh, some of them for some of the marvels for all of the marvels. That's what we're going with for a title. Sweet. For all of the, I'm sorry, people. We're going to interrupt this discussion right now. There we go. For all of the marvels. So, if you don't know what this storyline is about, uh, you have a lot of movies to watch to get ready for this. Essentially, what has happened in this story? And oh, if you're if you haven't seen it yet and you're trying to avoid spoilers, um, good luck. <laughs> I guess, you know, Captain America has been searching for Bucky Barnes for quite some time uh, to no avail. At the same time, the Avengers have been going around trying to save the world the best they can, but also, as it turns out, causing a lot of destruction. So, the governments of the world come together to try to rein in these superheroes while... They are doing that. There is a terrorist attack that seems to have been propagated by Bucky Barnes and Captain America, who refuses to kind of give in to the, the will of the world, thinking that he must do what is right, that what he determines that is right, uh, goes off on a mission to find Bucky and becomes a criminal. On the other side, Cap, uh, Iron Man, who has signed the Accords, the Sokovia Accords, uh, is now hunting him down. And that is... And of course there are other characters on both sides of the fight. Uh, pretty much every character, except for the Guardians of the Galaxy, or Thor, or Hulk, all take a stand at some point. And that is where we find ourselves at Civil War. Nick, what'd you think? So, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm dying to see it again, but I'd really like to see it again. Um, the, I, for what, as it is like, just judging it as it is not like what I think it could have done differently or, you know, philosophical espousing, um, to personally best action in a Marvel movie thus far. It, it felt like it. It was definitely an extent, an extension of the fights in uh, Winter Soldier, um, but it just felt like the punches hit harder, the landings, hit, like everything, just kind of felt like it hit harder. It felt more controlled. Um, you know, like it. I, I don't want to say it wasn't flashy, but it felt like you know characters weren't necessarily fighting to show off like they were fighting to unless it fit their personality i suppose they were fighting to end the fight you know like there was a scene in the beginning when i think 
um, crossbones, shoots a missile at Cap, and he gets blown through a window and then smacks one um, rooftop before flopping over and smacking into another one. You know, and it lingers on it as he falls. And I thought that was like that's another that's like that's a scene that sticks out to me. Um, yeah, I was listening to uh, some other reviewers, and they were saying one thing that the Rousseaus have down really well is like these very exciting like rooftop jump shots. Like kind of what you were saying, like uh, the, the 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 scene where Bucky, you know, jumps out a window onto a rooftop. Mm-hmm. Like they just, you know, they make it very exciting the way that they shoot it. But continue, please keep talking about the film. Yeah, you know, so the action slash cinematography I think has been the the best so far, especially given the fact that like this is more or less an Avengers movie, even if it spends most of its time on Captain America and Iron Man. Um, um, it, yeah, no, it, I mean, it overall is enjoyable. Like, obviously if we could sit down and like dig into like the plot and, you know, the characters. And I, I do think that, oh, and we will. And I, I think that, you know, they obviously could have done an even better job at like explaining the sides and, uh, and all of that. But for me, like, I'm, it's not like I was going into expecting a long ass philosophy lesson. Like I was going in for the action, so to speak. Um, so for what it was, I'm totally cool with it. And this is sort of like whenever I complain about a movie, like say days of future past is that the movie's allowed to have its problems, but it's gotta be entertaining. And if I don't find it entertaining, then I kind of drop off with this movie, despite its problems, I found it incredibly entertaining. Thus it gets a pass. Um, but uh, David kind of kind of rolled it from here, and let's bounce back and forth. All right. Well, then I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna drag uh, drag this further. So I I did enjoy this movie quite a bit. Like you said, I thought the action was great, uh, and there are action sequences in here that definitely are at the top of Marvel's list of what they've pulled off so far. Uh, it is a very exciting and dynamic movie, and mostly the plot is really good uh however i am finding myself that i did not love this movie the way that i feel like the internet is telling me i should and i know a lot of that is you know is the pre or not pre but it's like it's the uh you know the first reaction excitement it is this is the greatest thing that we've ever seen guys let's talk about how great it is and how it's the best thing ever and then time will wear on and you know people will kind of They'll see it again, and they'll they'll think back on it, and they'll kind of like calm and settle. And I feel like I'm already at that calmed and settled place, um, where it's good, but it's not Winter Soldier to me. And I loved Winter Soldier. I thought Winter Soldier was an amazing film. I think it's it's much more cohesive and coherent than this movie is. Uh, the plot of this movie really kind of starts to fall apart. Not when you take like when not when you go at it with like a hammer and chisel, but just when you start looking just a little closer. Uh, there's there's parts of it that, that do not hold up. Uh, so when all of the excitement, you know, people were saying like this is this is the best Marvel movie of all time, and I come out and I'm like, yeah, that was really good, but it's not to me the best Marvel movie of all time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm an outsider in that in that respect. Not really like I'm a cool hip outsider. It's just like, I feel like I don't, I didn't hit that place. And that, I don't know, that feels like I'm betraying my fellow comic fans. Um, 
Anyway. Would you say it's the best Avengers movie so far? Ooh, that's a great question. And Okay, that's, that's a point that I definitely need to make. Part of my disappointment with this movie is that they are calling it Captain America Civil War. Uh, sorry, this is not a Captain America film. This is Avengers Civil War. And that's okay. It's okay for it to be that. But don't call it a Captain America movie. Don't sell me that this is... And we'll go back and forth on this, Nick. But don't don't try to tell me that this is a Captain America film when it, at, at the very least it is 50% an Iron Man movie. Which is... Okay. It, so, so first off, Marvel did their best job yet crafting a compelling antagonist. In this case, it was Tony Stark. Um, well, I didn't say I was done. Oh well, fine. Finish. And getting into that point too, where you're saying they've, you know, Tony Stark is a compelling antagonist. You just again pointed a problem with this film where. They kind of present you with, oh, like, what side are you going to choose? Ultimately, it becomes, it doesn't, well, whatever side you choose, that's fine. Captain America's is the right one. The, the film does, it does leave the question open, open a little bit, but I was actually fairly staunchly Team Iron Man a lot of way through this. And even at the end, I still felt like, yeah, they were correct. Even when the characters, several of them were like, I don't know if we made the right choice, which which Tony Stark's change on that doesn't make sense. And Okay, so I'm just going to say this right now. So Tony Stark, when it starts off, he's like, look at all the things we've done. We need to sign these accords. And then when he finds out that it wasn't... So after they signed the accords, that's when the attack happens that Bucky uh, is supposed to be responsible for. And when he finds out, oh, it wasn't Bucky... I feel so bad. I shouldn't have signed these accords. Like all says of, that. But that's that's the feeling of it. Like he goes to Falcon. He's like, I was wrong. And they don't ever go back to him being like, oh, like I, you know, I'm okay with signing the accords. He says I was wrong. And like obviously about the Bucky thing, but it felt like to me they were making a blanket statement there. And it's like, but everything else that had happened still happened. Okay. So I digress. So. Apparently, we're going to get into the Iron Man thing a little bit here. You are starting to make some points. Go ahead. So my point is that it don't get me wrong. It's it's a little bit straddling the line between a Captain America solo film and an Avengers film. To me, it's it is a Captain America film. Most of his wants and desires, you know, are at the center of the conflict. Uh, it, it really like the, the overall plot affects him the most, and he also pushes the plot more or less the most. When I say that Tony Stark is Marvel's best villain of the day, I mean I don't think he was actually a villain, really an attack antagonist. Um, and the reason I say that Marvel did the best because through the court because they took the time in this movie to really flesh out his motivations and why he would stand up for this and why he would, or like why he would stand against it uh, and stand against Steve. And of course, why it would lead to the climactic fight at the end between Steve and, and, and Tony, um, you know, but beyond that, like the movie was less about the Sokovia Accords and more about Steve rescuing Bucky. Um, in that case, well, but that's not what the first half of the movie was about. The first half of the movie was them sitting around talking about the Sokovia Accords. Yes, because it, first off, it's not the first half of the movie. It's a two-hour and 30-minute movie. Um, I'm sorry, the first hour then. Probably not even the first hour. Anyway. 
But my my point being is that um, like yeah, this I mean the Sokovia Accords are important to it. Like that that's the part that's you know like the Avengers. Like that's I think it more or less how they bring in the Avengers aspect to it. But it's really more like as if you were trying to tell the Civil War story in the Captain America book. So like you know you're going to spend most of your time with Steve Rogers, but you know because it's something that that affects you know everyone in the universe they all come and chime in as well i mean some characters had little mini arcs you know black widow betraying tony's team spoilers um you know black panther having his father killed you know like there's characters that are kind of like in the the web of intrigue that get pulled in pulled in and out of it and kind of go through their own little mini arcs but the major arc is still steve and bucky and more Steve than and, anything, and and Tony Stark. Like he was like, I, you really can't discount the Tony Stark thing. No, no, it, he was it, very I, I, prominent in this movie. He is, he is. He, it was Steve. You know, they could have called it Captain America and Iron Man Civil War. You know, yes, they I could have called it Avengers. That. Like, I'm not. I guess I'm not. I don't want to discredit you and say that like it shouldn't. It could not have been called. There's there's no way that they could have called it Avengers Civil War. I totally think they could have. I think that if they did, they would have de-emphasized um, Steve's importance, not like Steve and Tony's importance, and made it more of a general ensemble. But even going back to the main Civil War storyline, you know, obviously the ideolo- ideological split between Steve and Tony is what, you know, was the, the, the focal point. Yeah. Um, but I think what separates that from here is that, you know, as much as like the Sokovia Accords take up a, a portion of the narrative – like it all, it it really ends up being more set up that feeds into the Winter Soldier storyline, and Zemo's like Zemo. Um, I don't think Rumlow was working for Zemo. I think it was just a happenstance circumstance uh, situation. Zemo didn't, you know, push for the Sokovia Accords. I right. think it more no. was like a a, 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 a circumstance uh, coincidence that <laughs> it kind of happened, and then he Everything... acted on that. Everything Zemo did relied incredibly on things coincidentally going the way that he hoped they would. And spoiler alert, they did. Like, this guy apparently knew the psychology and interworking of the relationships of these heroes to such a point that he could manipulate these events like God. Well, they are public figures. I'm not saying that everything's on display, but I mean... Well, I sent you that... uh... Like that thing where it got really ridiculous where uh, he had to have known that at some point Bucky and Captain America were going to separate off on their own and go to Siberia and that Tony Stark was going to then approach a member of his team and say say that he wanted to know where it was going and this member of the team had to know exactly where Tony St- where Cap and Bucky were going and that Tony Stark would have to go there alone and as a friend. Like, and also, someone pointed this out to me today. They show the giant EMP in his room, in his hotel room. How did he get it in there? And how did he get it out? Don't worry about it. Right, exactly. Well, and, that, and that's, I mean, the EMP thing, that's one of those things that it's kind of like, where like if it hadn't been an entertaining movie, I probably would have cared more about that. Well, and the one, that doesn't bother me as much as where was he keeping that body? In the bathtub. And it didn't start to rot? People didn't smell that? The movie takes place over like three days. Bodies start to rot pretty quickly if you're not keeping them cold. 
maybe it started as an ice ice ice, ice bath as an ice bath. No, I don't know. No. Or maybe he had him tied up for okay, a bit and, and then killed him. Or and so I, like, and that's not like I'm not trying to sit here and nitpick things because you can you know you can go to the original Avengers movie and there's plenty to nitpick. You can go to the original Iron Man and there's lots of stuff to nitpick. Like that isn't necessarily as fun uh, for a film. I did really enjoy a lot of the side characters. Uh, you know, I thought like like Black Panther was probably the best example of you know of them treating their side characters well. Uh, I thought the one that got kind of treated the worst slash weirdest was uh, Scarlet Witch, because after like the fight in the airline hangar, they just kind of were done with her, but they built her up as kind of like supposed to be important in what was going on. But she and she also never mentions Quicksilver. I don't know. I just feel like they don't didn't really know what to do with her, how to write her. Like they, they decided, like we're gonna make her an important figure in this film, but we don't really know what we're gonna do with her crap. Uh, she apparently has some power over the Vision's Mind Stone. I, well, okay, there's some things to build on, and I mean, I think they used her well enough for the fact that it wasn't her movie. She was the catalyst, you know, she was the, the straw that broke the camel's back for um, for the Sokovia Accords kind of getting passed swiftly. Uh, she got put under house arrest, more or less, and then, you know, Hawkeye convinces her to join up with okay. Steve's team. That, that word, house arrest. Not house I arrest, don't... just okay. She, okay. she was being forced to stay in the compound. Well, yeah, because shit was going on. And okay, and, and there's there's a scene that that really bothered me, uh, as being a, a you know as someone on Team Iron Man, uh, when Tony and and Steve actually have this moment where okay, we're gonna talk about this, and like you know we're gonna be very logical about it, and uh, and Iron Man's about to convince him that look, this isn't the best. But if we do this, we can get ahead of a lot of things and we can, you know, our Black Widow's um, argument in, in the beginning of the film made a lot of sense to me, which was if we have one hand on the wheel, then we can still steer. And so he's like, he's getting to that point where he's like, okay, yeah, just like sign this. We'll make changes once, you know, once things kind of settle down, we can get, and he says, we can get you and Wanda reinstated. And then this was comical to me. Steve Rogers flips out over Wanda, like, oh, she's under house arrest, like, what's going on? And everything that Iron Man says in that moment makes perfect sense. She is a, you know, they don't give visas to weapons of mass destruction. She is in the country illegally, like, they brought her there and are like, she is with us now. There's a lot of, like, regulation stuff that, you know, needs to happen in this situation. She can't operate just freely. Uh, which I guess idealistically for Captain America, she can. Uh, she also was a a partner of Ultron for a while. Tony Stark is also not facing any ramifications for Ultron. But that was it was comical to me that he suddenly flipped out. That was to me a your mother's name is Martha moment, where it was like they need a reason to stop fighting. They need a reason to keep fighting. Wanda. Just some thoughts. Stew on that for a little while. And I'm saying all of this because 
one of us has to have a contrarian opinion. Not to say that I am completely against this film. I would watch it again. Uh, I do plan on owning it when it comes out on Blu-ray. Obviously, everything was built around this, uh, the airline, the, or the, the airplane sequence, um, you know, the big action scene where everybody's really going toe-to-toe, and mm-hmm. you can tell they put a lot of effort into it, and it paid off entirely. I wish that I didn't know that Giant Man was going to be a thing. That was I didn't know that. It was a, a toy set came out that had Giant Man. At, oh, and, uh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, so that was a bummer. Um, I guess we, let, let, before we dive into the talk about Spider-Man, because there's a lot to say there, um, I went and saw this movie with my wife, and we got out of there, and she doesn't hasn't read comics, but she's seen all the Spider-Man movies that have come out, and she was like, I thought, you know, it was a little annoying how much he talked during the fight. I was like, no, no, that's that's Spider-Man. Like, that's what Spider-Man does. He doesn't shut up during the fight. And just for her, it was this, like, moment of disconnect. She doesn't know that aspect of the character, so it... I could totally see how that would seem annoying. Um, but anyway, Spider-Man. Nick, thumbs up, thumbs down. Where are you at on the Tom Holland? Where am I at the Tom Holland? Um, Tom Holland was great. I mean, it's weird. I feel like they keep getting these guys that are almost like, are quite like they don't i feel like they're like vocally they don't project and i i don't necessarily envision peter parker as like an overly loud person i probably uh it's forever embedded in me the voice that he had in the 90s cartoon um so someone like toby mcguire you know i think tom holland has a similar vocal styling to toby mcguire more than uh andrew garfield um but you know i just felt like he, his voice didn't project um, I mean, also he was a teenager. It also felt like he hadn't gone through puberty. Um, but, uh, overall his, I liked his quirky, awkward attitude. Um, I like this. I like, um, I, I like that they've sort of updated the idea that like there's, it's unlikely that on Aunt May's budget that they were living in a house in like suburban Queens, that they're in probably some kind of like affordable housing mm-hmm. in, his, his... in Queens, I guess. But yeah, his bedroom is. Uh, like a four foot by four foot area. Yeah. You know, it's like a, you know, their apartment's probably not much smaller or bigger than Mike mine. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Of course he can, you know, he can climb out his window and boom, he's in the city swinging around. Well, I don't really know the geography with like Queens compared to Manhattan or whatever, but, um, I like that. I like uh, I mean, I never had a problem with Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. Okay, my problem with it is that she's a gray-haired old lady in the comics, and in the movie, I'm like, you're so beautiful. It's distracting. <laughs> and, and I... and I Wait, what did you just say? Oh, oh I was going to say, and Ben Urich is black and daredevil, and that's, Harry White's... Okay, I mean, okay. I'm making that's, that, not like, that's, not that's not the same. That's not the same. No, I'm just saying, like, I shouldn't be this attracted to aunt may it feels wrong as if like i should have an old like okay like if i were to say to a random stranger who knows comics like yeah i'm really attracted to aunt may they'd be like dude that is a very specific fetish but good for you uh so just like it's odd to have that mindset i do appreciate them kind of calling that out in the movie 
uh, with Tony Stark being like your, you know, ridiculously attractive aunt. Anyway, what are your thoughts on Marissa Tomei? As an actress, she's great. I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm going to keep um, digging this hole over here, and eventually I'm going to hit China. Um, what am I trying to say? I mean, I mean, she obviously, obviously she didn't do too much, but I mean, you definitely got the vibe that it was a more realistic relationship that, you know, Aunt May wouldn't be, you know, I mean, I think Sally Field, I mean, I don't think she had a lot of work with in those movies, but she was obviously getting closer and closer to age. Mm -hmm. Um, but I kind of like the idea that Aunt May is younger and hip. I mean, it's kind of like, she's like a young version of ultimate Aunt May, uh, almost, Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to say she came off a little ditzy in this, but obviously she was being lied to by Tony Stark and Spider-Man. I mean, so yeah, if you've also got a, a wealthy, attractive billionaire in your apartment, like you're all like, oh, like tongue tied and twisted, you know, right. I, I'll definitely be very curious how she's explored in, um, in the, the solo Spider-Man film. I'm, I'm totally down with it. Um, other than that, like I think Tom Holland did a great job. I enjoyed, the Spider-Man scenes. I did tell you that like, I felt like um, Spider-Man was the strongest, weakest link of the whole film only because like when he was on screen, it was incredibly enjoyable, enjoyable. But when you kind of thought hard about the narrative and where he fit in it, he really had no place in it. He was not necessary. Mm -hmm. All he, you know, he was an obstacle during the, the airport fight, but his presence there also didn't make any sense, especially in context of Tony Stark's stance on the Sokovia Accords, because you have to assume that if this whole thing is about oversight and regulation, he's standing for it, but then he goes and recruits a minor and then invites him to a fight where one wrong move could get him killed. Yeah, yeah, it was it was the most shoehorned-in character, uh, even above Ant-Man, who they were just like, let's have Ant-Man in this fight. Well, which like totally makes sense. sense. No, 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 no. It does. And uh, like, I'm agreeing because eventually, you know, originally they couldn't have Spider-Man. Um, so they, you know, they were like, "Well, let's bring Black Panther," and we got a really great Black Panther storyline out of it. And they're like, "Oh, we can use Spider-Man." Like, cool, let's do it. Uh, but like at that point, I felt like they were already really late into the story and all that, and so they they found a way to do it, and it worked fine. But like, but I do agree with you. Uh, it was ultimately unnecessary, um, aside from you know a really great introduction. And I think they, it was smart of them to introduce him outside of his solo film because this is our third Spider-Man in like, you know, a a decade plus. Uh, people are probably gonna kind of kind of sick of the idea of oh great another Spider-Man, but. You know, if they, if they show us like, no, look, we're we're going to do a really great job this time. Uh, like people are going to get really excited and jazzed about it, which is all I've seen is positive, uh, positive stuff. Um, but, you know, the first aside, Spider-Man came out in 2002. That's why I said decade plus. Yeah. So no, not saying. even like 15 years even. Uh, and we're having our third. So we've at least had one Spider-Man every five years. Um, but. Yeah, just back back to the point of he could have been cut out of the film. I'm glad he wasn't. I'm glad he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he would know what Empire Strikes Back is. Who? But uh, Peter Parker. Oh, he knew what it was. He said, it, well, okay. I felt like he would have been like known that that was a cultural touchstone. 
I f- that was one of those scenes where I was almost like, is he doing this just to be a dick? Wait, but he's when, the one that made the joke. When he was like, have you seen this old movie? Like, calling it old, and that's when they're all like, how old is this kid? Yeah, but I mean, that would make sense. It is an old movie, and he is 15 years old. Okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm just saying. Nitpicker, nitpicker. I, Are you a booger picker, too? <laughs> uh, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, it was a movie that, for all its flaws, was, in my opinion, uh, incredibly enjoyable. Um, you know, the action scenes alone, I think, elevate it in a way. Um, Before we move on entirely, I do want to bring up something I thought was a little odd, and that is the raft. Yeah. Like, that was the most comic book thing in the movie, this supermax prison in the middle of the ocean that's meant to hold supervillains? I, I think there was a little bit more they could have done with it uh, because all they showed us that were in there were the like the three or four Avengers that got caught, two mm. of which are just guys. Uh, actually, three of which are just guys if you you know take away their suits. Um, like, were there other people there? I don't know. I just felt like there could have they could have done a little bit more with the raft. It, I, I mean, I agree. It would have been cool to see if there are other people in there because you have to think that the Avengers have gone on missions, you know, in between and, and potentially fought other supervillains. Uh, maybe not like big world enders like Ultron, but, you know, something. Well, yeah, like think about like all the Hydra guys, um, like in the be- beginning of, of uh, blah, 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 the last Captain America movie where he. Uh, you know, stops those people who took the the ship. Like, yeah, there's there's people like out Bad there. Like Batrock could have been there. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 weird. It honestly would have been like the perfect setup for like a Thunderbolts movie. You know what I mean? Like just hinting at they're like not like like they'd go super deep into it, but just knowing that like there's some noticeable like notable like combo characters being housed there besides the Avengers mm-hmm. would have been interesting. Yeah. I, I saw this Reddit thread. that was like, what was the most dramatic comics costume change? And someone said speedball. speedball. Do you not remember? No. When he becomes penance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, that would have been, been interesting. Well, cause speedballs like costume before was like super bright. Then he becomes penance. And then it becomes penance. A walking which, Iron Maiden. Which was super badass. Yeah. Totally. Pen- um, penance was cool. Penance was cool. Come on. <laughs> Guys, back me up. No one's going to back you up, bro. Guys, back me up. Penance no one. Is, penance and is, I mean no one. Okay, Penance's costume was cool. If you're into, like, torturing yourself. Okay, don't you even start with that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you guys suck. No one backed me up on that. Um, Civil War. Civil War Civil, was... Yeah. So where, where, where would you say, amongst the dozen-plus Marvel movies that now exist... You don't have to give me an exact number, uh, but kind of ballparking where is this one landing for you it's in the top five for sure uh up there with winter soldier um 
You know, when I when I go back and like, uh, I don't rewatch movies a whole lot, but Anna does. So like, occasionally I'll catch like I ha- I haven't really had like any desire to go back and rewatch Age of Ultron, uh, and even the first Avengers. Now I'm sort of like, I don't really like. Um, oh, uh, I th- I think I was like over at Andrews and and we put it on the background. I was like half paying attention. I was just like. I don't want, I don't want to use the word like it's dated now, but like, I just, I don't have for a lot of the Marvel movies. I there's to me, they haven't always been the most rewatchable. Like I don't really have any desire to rewatch any of the Thor movies so far. Uh, I don't really have a desire to go back and watch Captain America. First Avenger, um, you know, maybe Iron Man one. Uh, I'd actually probably would rewatch Iron Man three. Uh, I think I've watched it at least once since it came out on DVD three years ago. Um, but, um, you know, I, it's definitely up there. Like, I, if I, if Winter Soldier is one, then this is two, or this is one, and Winter Soldier is two. Probably at this point, when you put them all together. Though I really do like Ant Man. It's a tough question. It is. A it's t- in the it, top five. So top five. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's in my top five. It's kind of hovering around there. Mm-hmm. Um, if it is, it might be like number five. Like I really, like I said, I love Winter Soldier. Uh, the first Iron Man movie is great. The first Avengers, I think, definitely still deserves uh, its spot um, as you know as being up there, one of the best. Uh, like you said, Ant Man's really good. There's honestly, uh, I, I don't. I think Iron Man three is kind of underrated. I think like sure it wasn't it's, like it's, two hours of. It's of better than Iron. It's better than two, uh, but my biggest issue with it is the president goes missing. And nobody does anything except for Tony Stark, which would be fine if we were in a vacuum where Tony Stark was the only superhero, but Captain America exists. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think it would be they, they could have hinted at that, like, or at least shown briefly that, like, other forces were mobilizing, trying to find the president. But yeah. obviously, Tony found him first. Uh, also... Civil War did something that I hate when they do in movies. So this is not necessarily an attack on Civil War. It's attack on movies. Uh, when people are at a anywhere where somebody is giving a speech, and the speech is so direct to the main character of the movie. I also hated this in Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, where... People, you know, whoever's giving a speech is saying something that is so on the nose, like, and they are speaking directly to uh, the character. Like, to the character. The theme of the movie, right? It's like, come on, like, that's so. Like when she was giving that speech at at Peggy Carter's uh, funeral, spoiler alert, and she was totally inserted into this movie so people wouldn't think that Bucky and Cap were gay. Uh, <laughs> that's ninety percent of the reason they kissed. It was just so out of nowhere. Um, that was a fun scene, the funny scene with like Falcon, and I like that yeah. sort of like their their dichotomy was really fun. Uh, I hate you. Can you move your seat, etc. <laughs> that was, that was great. Right. Yeah, the 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 Sharon Carter thing is kind of unfortunate. I mean, like when you really think about it, there hasn't been a lot of room for romance subplots in these movies. Like, I don't think really any of the movies have like spent a lot of time driving you know like sort like thor and jane which no one really give a shit about um you know and tony and pepper i guess are like the two you know and, and yes steve and peggy um uh, but 
Yeah, the emotion or like these as they've gone on, they're like, we need to put some romance in here, and they just feel a little bit more forced every time. Just none have really felt natural. Well, I mean, I think movies. obviously, you know, if you know by including Sharon, it it makes it, you know, like the 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 comics. But I mean, in the first, in Winter Soldier, like there, I mean, besides the fact that she was like spying on him and like, mm, she's the cute next door neighbor, there really wasn't like any romantic tension, like even the subtlest, like even the hintiest right. of well, romantic they, they tension. Had that, they had that them. brief conversation, which was very casual, like, oh, maybe we're kind of flirty neighbors. Nope. <laughs> you know, and then like, okay, she's a shield agent, like she's right. there in the it, climax. Yeah, yeah, it got over um, there like real quick. Like, it just didn't go anywhere. And then in this one, it's like, I'm not saying that, like, they obviously the movie had a tongue going on. So I wouldn't say it felt inserted, but I think it kind of went from this and then the kiss. But because, like, they've done really nothing to develop their relationship, even, like, a little bit, like, it just kind of was like, oh, okay, they're dating. Right. Cool. Yeah. I think we, we said our, our piece, my last thought, Martin Freeman with an American accent was super weird. He's also not super good in an American accent. Uh, but, hey, love that guy. Great to see him. Oh, and I also love seeing Daniel Bruhl in movies, uh, Colonel Zemo. My thoughts on his character's motivations aside. Baron Zemo. He was Colonel Zemo in the movie. He He'll was, always he was, be Baron Zemo in my heart. He'll always be the Baron Zemo of your heart. Um. I, I think he's a really great actor. I love seeing him and stuff. Super charismatic, so it's cool that he's uh, he's around. Um, ultimately, I think I can safely say we both really enjoyed the movie. And if you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing with yourselves? Come on, come on. I, I will. And, and to your point of that, it was more of an Avengers movie. I do like that the 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 logo for the movie is Civil War, and then like Captain America, Captain America. on the inside, like right. a lot smaller. Yeah, it is Civil War with Captain America. It's it's really like it's basically Marvel's Civil, Civil War, War, Captain America, starring Captain America, yeah. guest starring Captain America guest. in his own movie, featuring, uh, yeah, <laughs> Captain America Civil War starring starring Tony Stark, Tony Stark Iron yeah. Man. <laughs> Wait, Tony Stark as roles. Iron Man, not Robert Downey Jr. Uh, did you get did you get weird Uncanny Valley from young Robert Downey Jr. What's Uncanny Valley? Uh, where, like, um, Michael Jackson's face. Uh, where uh, Stranger Mysterious, especially. No, that's not That's not Uncanny Valley. I'm trying to get, like, the best, like, definition for it. Because I'm really bad at describing these vague concepts. Are you Googling it right now? Because that would make my I, life so much easier. I am Googling it right now. Used in is, reference to the phenomenon whereby a computer-generated figure, a humanoid robot bearing a near-identical resemblance to a human being, arouses a sense of unease or revulsion in the person viewing it. Interesting. I was, like, very aware that he was computer-animated young Robert Downey Jr. I mean, you're aware of it because, obviously, he doesn't look that young anymore. But at the same time, they did a fairly his, uncanny his, job at it. His skin looked too flawless. It bothered me. Yeah, I mean, it looked super young and, and, and polished, mm -hmm. but... Just look, um, like, when it's next to, like... I feel like because it was supposed to be a computer-generated thing, they could have kind of washed that with doing the same thing to, like, John Slattery and 
his mother, who's the actor's name, I don't know. <laughs> well, I feel like we always know the guy's names and then totally well, forget. Well, I know the I know name. John Slattery's name because I loved Mad Men a lot, and he's in Mad Men. Oh, it's Mariah Stark. I, I, for some reason, I thought her name was Mar- oh. Martha Stock Stark, oh. and I was going to be like, <laughs> "Yeah, I didn't I didn't know the actual like character names." Uh, that'd be hilarious if it was Martha Stark, though. Um, I think uh, I think we're ready though to move on from Civil War. We've said our piece. We would really love to hear what you, the listening audience, have to say about Civil War. Uh, we'd love to find out what side you came down on ultimately. Any thoughts, anything you think we missed or didn't talk about, you can send all of that to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Oh, I did not play our intro sound to talking about comics. You didn't. I was waiting for you to. You, you should have been like, hey, buddy. To the Batmobile. Let's go. I would have been Too. like, you're right. But Too bad. Instead. You're just a dick. You're, you're, you're a dick. No. Anyway, in other news... News? Uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends! Why is everything coming in so quiet today? Uh, it's not so loud to me. Oh. Anyway, in other things... Yes, yeah, so we missed last week, and uh, I'm sure there was a lot of funky news, but Nick, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What is there to talk about? Um... Uh... A, uh blah. <laughs> Ha! The Punisher is getting his own Netflix series at some point. Yes. I don't think they fully announced when this is happening, um, but we found out that that is indeed the truth, that uh, I, it's not Thomas Jane. Uh, John Barenthal. Why do you well, say Barenthal? It's Barenthal. I feel like we've had this conversation before, and I'm not going to correct myself now. I've already had to change the way I've said I say Gaiman. So, look, we get... We get it is Gaiman. I know. I had to change the way... I said Gaiman before. That's not important right now. Yeah, John Bernthal. John Bernthal. Uh, that's what you sound like. Anyway, he'll be reprising his role in his own series on Netflix, uh, which I guess is, is pretty cool. I, it's a marketable enough character. 13 episodes of Punisher murdering people. Brr, 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 brr. Um, I really enjoyed him in Daredevil season two, so it'll be cool to have Hope some... Davis. What? Hope Davis played Mariah Stark. Awesome. Good for her. She did a good job. Uh, oh man, you totally derailed my thought train. That also, was... Supergirl has been renewed for a second season. It has, but, but... it is moving to the CW. Yes, which is very interesting. Which is, is where it probably should have been all along. Absolutely. I think that pretty much everyone will agree with that. Uh, this does mean that there will likely be more crossover with Flash and the Arrow. How they're going to pull that off, we don't know yet. Uh, Speed Force, probably. Or Vibe is going to vibe, vibe and vibiness. Uh, whatever you know, plot devices they they figure out for it. I think it's uh, it is really exciting. Um, it will be interesting to see. There, there definitely will be a hit to the budget. But then again, I don't know if they can if they can bring over some of that viewership from CBS. It's like, huh? 
Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I yeah. think people that are interested in the show, they'll probably market heavily to let people know that it's on a different channel. Um, but beyond that, um, I mean, I, I hope the show doesn't lose any of its touch in the second season. If anything, I hope that the move uh, helps them refocus creatively and produce an even stronger season. I'm planning on catching up on season one um, I kind of left off around the Thanksgiving episode, I want to say. And I hear that's where things really picked up. Yeah, so... Um, but it's not... It, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying uh, I'm, I'm very hopeful for the show, and yeah. Yeah, just unfortunately, it is not all sunshine and rainbows, everybody, as it has been announced that Agent Carter is officially canceled. There will be no third season. <laughs> yes. Yes, I have still not seen season one or season two, though I have heard good things. Uh, this is one of those, you know, situations where the critics really love it, and I feel like they kind of gave it a second season based on that strength. Like, look, it got a lot of really great buzz. Maybe people will catch up and and check it out. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, Haley Atwell, I think, has already moved on, uh, and so it's just getting a silent quiet, peaceful death in its sleep. And also, Marvel's Most Wanted is no longer happening. Aww. I don't really care. Now, when when they were talking about this a while ago, I piped it in and said that I really didn't think like these two characters that they were going to focus on had enough on their shoulders to carry a whole show. Uh, I like to think that this proves that I was correct. Uh, and ultimately, you should listen to me when it comes to <laughs> an analysis. Um, not really too heartbroken over it. I It's exciting that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is getting a fourth season, but it's definitely struggling, and it'll be interesting to see if it's going to pull off a fifth. Uh, though they are bringing Grant Ward over to the comics. Yeah, they've been bringing everyone over to the I comics. I what you but, mean? You mean cheese? Ch ch cheese, yeah. Ugh, cheese Colson. Ugh, I hate it so much. Phil Cheese Colson. That doesn't even make sense. Not even a thing. It's just like we need to come up with some Top Gun esque military nicknames for these characters. He's Cheese. I really feel like it was. Uh, have you ever, um, you ever watched the Simpsons episode with Poochie? Uh, no. So the whole the whole joke is that Itchy and Scratchy, the show about a mouse and a cat that like fight each other all the time, is you know starting to get stale. The the ratings are going down. Like so, how do we punch it up? Well, we bring in another animal, and you know it goes mouse, cat, dog. And at the meeting with all the writers, like you need to create a new character. Uh, it's got to be a dog. He's got to have a name like uh, Poochie, but something not so stupid. Oh, and, maybe I have seen and that. And they walk out of the room, and and all the writers are like. So are we okay with Poochie? Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, Poochie, fine. So that's what I feel like happened, where it's like, we need to give them, like, nicknames, like something like, uh, Cheese, but, you know, we can't call him Cheese. And then, like, 11th Hour came, and it's like, oh, shit, uh, Cheese. It's like, we've got to go for it. It's no, no time to find and replace. Uh, Singer confirms Weapon X version of Wolverine for X-Men Apocalypse. How is that a headline? Just watch the freaking movie. 
Oh, yeah, I guess that would be around that time, huh? Yeah, I'm avoiding so much stuff about that movie. Uh, did you watch the Honest trailer for Deadpool yet? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, dude. You know, I'll watch it after the show. You know why it's so exciting, right? Why? Because, oh, Deadpool shows up in it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll watch it. How about that giant statue of Deadpool that's driving around Japan? Uh, I didn't read the story, but I think I heard it in passing. Yeah, it's a, just a 23-foot-long statue of Deadpool is just driving from spot to spot in Japan. And that's totally a weird thing that works for me. You couldn't do that here. You couldn't be like, Hey guys, let's all go to the mall today to see the giant statue of Deadpool. They're driving around America. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't work very well. If it was like, oh, hey, we got, like, the suit, like, maybe you can do something? I don't know. I don't know why I'm going on about this so much. Uh, but I am. Nick, did you go to Free Comic Book Day? I didn't. Uh, either. It might be actually one of the first years that I haven't. Do we have to, um, do we have to re relinquish our podcast? To what? I don't know. We both didn't go to Free Comic Book Day. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing about the free comics is, like, like... For me, like if I had kids or something like that, I think it would be fun. But like I'm already invested in the comic books, and I mean they'll probably end up on Comicsology or something. I mean, and I didn't exactly have the money in case like the shop was having some other special deals going on. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I was just like, I'll find out about this stuff, or it really like it might seem important. Like if it's like a Marvel, okay, DC didn't I think just reprinted like Superman, Batman number one from the Jeff Loeb book. Uh, and then Marvel had, like, we're teasing a bunch of new storylines, which is cool that they do that, but I don't know how important they're really... I don't, I don't want to say they're not important and they end up being important, but, like, I don't think that they... I don't know what I'm trying to say. I But, yeah, I just, I didn't go. Uh, and our last bit of TV and movie news is that Archie-based Riverdale gets a series order from the CW, which I thought it already had. But yeah, I guess... it is too, but... Mm. Well, this is uh, this is the interesting part. This is the fifth, uh, fifth comic book show to be produced by Greg Berlanti, his fifth for the network, alongside Arrow, The Flash, DC's Legend of Tomorrow, and now Supergirl uh, and Riverdale. And it's their sixth comic-based show overall, alongside iZombie. Mm -hmm. So they are... They're turning into an interesting network. It is. Yeah, I mean, you kind of thought it was almost going to be like the the teeny, uh, like, kind of soap opera channel. And, well, I won't say that these shows aren't soap operas in some level. Uh, um, Riverdale, especially. You know, Riverdale, you know, iZombie. I mean, like, I think the CW, I think at first, like, they didn't want to be known as, like, the comic book property channel or the superhero channel. But, I mean... It's clearly been doing them, I mean, a lot of favors. Mm -hmm. So I think the more that they, you know, they can lean into it, I mean, I think it's only going to help them. People clearly respond positively to these shows, you know, despite any flaws they might have. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny because when Arrow started, they're like, okay, uh, well, we'll do Arrow, but it's got to be like super gritty and realistic and uh, like no superpowers. Superpowers can't be a thing. And then they announce, like, they're doing The Flash, and it's going to be in the same world. And 
it just kind of spiraled out from there. I'm glad they embraced that. You know, things that have, have gone from there is, have really worked out for them and been very enjoyable to watch. But it's just it's just fun to see them from where they started four years ago, almost at this point, being like, we're just going to have this one show and it's going to be super serious, guys. And uh, now Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow is a thing. Yep. It is. And just so we can say that we talked about actual comic news before we uh, do our recommendations and get the H out of here, Oni Press has announced a new erotica and sex education imprint <laughs> called nice. uh, Limerence. I think it's Limerence. Yeah. Limerence Press. Uh, this is very, very interesting. Um, I haven't read too much into this story, but we're reporting it. We're reporting anyway. it anyway. Uh, no, the idea of limerence, that giddiness of falling head over heels for someone, is something we hope to capture with this imprint. Erotica comics can be fun and inviting as well as sexy, and my goal is that readers will find that titles from Limerence Press have real emotion and affection in them. The line is committed to publishing books that are feminist, inclusive, and queer-friendly comics that readers feel good about recommending to their friends. Uh, so this is from Oni Press Managing Editor Ari Yarwood. Uh, this is a very interesting and I think really awesome move. Um, like just being like, hey, we're going to do an erotica line, but it's not going to be just porn comics, you know? It's uh, not porn for the sake of porn. Right. It's about just, uh, depicting sex in a, a sex positive, uh, opening, inviting way, maybe dealing with tough issues. You know, as mm -hmm. they say, that there's also going to be education, but sort of not, I mean, the fact that they're kind of, I, you know, Ani Press is an independent small publisher. Like, it's not like it's super well known outside of comics, but I think that this will only um, improve their profile. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's, I, I think it's sad to say that it's a daring move. But it's a daring move, and I, I hope it's successful I, for them. And I don't know if it is daring. I think it is timely. I think if it had been like a, a few years ago, it would have been seen as more daring. Um, I think there is enough of of that culture out there of people looking for something like this. That this is totally something that that can and I, I very hope will succeed uh, in you know in in the coming months. I think if you'd said like five years ago they were going to do this, it would be like, ooh, like that's really cool. But I mean, I don't know if the environment's right for it. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I am curious to see what's uh, what's going to come out of it um, because I feel like even like even books that are not porn books that have to do with sex on any level, you know, it's it's still like it's not um, like you were saying like emotionally like very healthy positive like sex criminals is all about how we use sex to commit crimes um and discipline was like how sex has really weird supernatural elements to it like i can't think of a lot of books that are about like uh and, and there are some i don't want to say they don't exist but none immediately come to mind for me uh where um like sex is represented in this really really great really like healthy uh light and you know doesn't have some conflict represented with it uh and if if this is a, a line i can do like i definitely do know people 
who this is going to be right up their alley, or maybe they don't read comics, but I know they're going to enjoy this, that this will be an avenue for them to, to get into it or find something for them to like. Yeah, definitely. Well, Nick, unless you have anything uh, else that I missed in the news, that'll, I think, do it for us there. Nope. That's all I got. All right. Well, then we will move on uh, to an important question that we ask ourselves every single week. You boys aren't nerds, are you? It's coming in so quiet. That one was quiet. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to fix this for just a second here. You boys aren't nerds, are you? That's still really quiet. You boys aren't nerds, are you? Yeah, it's going to be good enough for me. Uh, so this is the point in the show where we do our recommendations and leave you with what we think that you should be reading or watching or whatever this week. Nick, who should go first? You. All right, this is going to happen. So I'm actually going to be recommending a book that has been recommended on the show before, but not by me. That's right, we're going to have the first ever double recommendation, which means that this book will enter the pantheon of Heck yeah Comics recommendations and cannot be recommended anymore at any point in the future. And that book is Birthright. What? Let me... Yeah, no. No, I'm totally on board with this. All right. So Birthright, as Nick has talked about, uh, is the story where a family is torn apart when their youngest son goes missing, uh, only to have him return a year later as a full-grown man. And he has been off in a fantastical world full of monsters and, and wars and prophecy to be the chosen one. Uh, and... In his time that he's been gone, he's had some great adventures, and he's come back now to seemingly save our world as well. Uh, the first three volumes are out. So this is from Joshua Williamson and uh, Andre Bresson. Yeah. All right, cool. Got that one correct. Uh, it's over at Image Comics. It is. I think the story is really good. The writing at time is not my favorite and i think that at times it makes some predictable turns but i think the art is worth the price of admission alone and this is not to say that i think the story is bad or that it's it's you know not worth reading uh definitely is fun it's a very fun concept and and most of the time things are just working really great i'm very interested to see on where this all goes uh, but the art is fantastic it's dynamic uh yeah, you should definitely, if you are not yet, be checking out Birthright. I humbly agree. Uh, great book, interesting characters. Um, I mean, every issue just kind of builds and builds and builds. Um, I, I'm, you're caught up now, right? Yeah. Up to yeah, issue 15. And I mean, I'm, I'm dying to figure out what happens next. So it's good that you recommended that. And I'm recommending it again because I have nope. nothing. Nope, you can't recommend it again. We just went over this. Uh, it's in the pantheon of recommendations you fine i recommend comic books in general no you just read you just were telling me that you were reading something this week yeah the robin rises arc yeah okay i recommend robin rises the first part of the story is batman getting robin to rise and then the second part of the story is robin rising 
into the air because he can fly and has super strength now, or at least for the, the last half of the story. It makes me really sad that the powers end up being temporary. I realize that for Batman's world, it's kind of hard to work with that kind of scenario. But I thought that compared to the fact that it was a unique way to bring it, like when you bring a character back from death, they can't necessarily come back the same way that they were before. I mean, now he basically is, but I feel like you got to do something, you got to take something away or make it unique. So the fact that he was a Robin with superpowers made it a very different situation. The art by Patrick Gleason is phenomenal. Uh, by the end of the story, it's spoilers, uh, uh, Damien loses his superpowers, but it really makes me feel like there's an alternate future universe out there where Damien kept his powers and is like wrecking shit as like super Batman. But uh, yeah, it's a good story. Check it out. Very, very cool. Well, Nick, as we're wrapping things up, do you have any final thoughts? Anything that you were just dying to say? Um, say no to drugs. Yes. As always, if you enjoyed the show, then please head on... Ooh, if you enjoyed the show, please head on over to heckyeahcomics.com to find out more goodness. You can also contact us with any of your thoughts or recommendations or whatever to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. And please do send us an email. We really do want to hear from you. And you can follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can find me on Twitter at davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can find Nick scrambling around trying to find next week's recommendation in time for the show. Uh, and as always, you can find us here next week. If you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. If you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.